Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. And again, you're listening to Community Matters. After a year of preparation, there are now new neighbors in Jamestown. We spoke with the New Neighbors Coalition about the refugees and asylum seekers that recently moved here. We welcome to the WRFA studios members of the New Neighbors Coalition, which is including St. Luke's Episcopal Reverend Luke Foder, Marian uh, Beckerink, and also Linnea Haskin. So welcome to the three of you. I'm so glad to have you here today. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So I've been receiving press releases, seeing social media posts, and with the New Neighbors Coalition, it sounds like we have new neighbors here in Jamestown. And I was hoping you could tell us maybe a little bit more about the families that have uh, recently come to our city and also about efforts around what how you're helping assist them. So I don't know who would like to start out with, but to talk about some of these families, because we're always... We were curious to know who was going to be able to come. And now that they're here, I don't know what you can tell us about them. Sure, I'll, I'll click things off. So um, the New Neighbors Coalition is working with two groups of people, both uh, asylum-seeking folks and also refugees. There's a distinction between the two groupings of people. Um, those who are uh, asylum-seeking have entered the country uh, and asked for asylum based upon some uh, exigency in their home countries. Legally. Legally crossed in and presented themselves to the border guards and then been released on their own cognizance. That's the legal process in the United States. Uh, and they are allowed to then um, go where they want. Um, they're usually given a phone so they, they can be in touch with the immigration process uh, through that legal ramifications. And Marion will tell us more about that in a second. So that's one group of people we're working with. Uh, and in our community, they particularly are from Colombia mostly. Um, and then we have another group of people that we're working with, which are the refugees. And so we've been working for the last 18 months or so with, journey, uh, with Journey's End Refugee Services out of Buffalo. Uh, and in December, they opened a satellite office uh, here in, in Jamestown. Uh, St. Luke's offered up space, and they're using some of our space to do that work. And they have, we've welcomed our first family, which have been here about, I think, about a month already, just about a month. Uh, and they're from the Congo. Uh, and so I heard yesterday that um, they're already entering the workforce, some members of that group. So the difference between uh, asylum seekers is that they have no, while they're legally in the country, they have no legal resources to work or uh, limited resources of public assistance. And that even is a difficult process to navigate. And I'm sure Linnea will tell us a bit more about that. Um, and then the refugees are able to come into the country because of the process they were brought into, uh, they're able to get public assistance and then also to get right into workforce um, as long as they have the language skills and the right placement. So um, we're excited that both groups are here and um, they're enriching our community already. 
When it comes to, I mean, Christine, obviously, Colombia, I think they, they probably are Spanish speaking, I mm-hmm. would guess. Um, from the Congo, I, I'm not familiar with which language uh, maybe they speak within the region they're from in the Congo, but are you finding there are language barriers or are you finding other kinds of besides the legal barriers to either work or be not a, being able to work uh, for these folks as they've come in? I would say language is yeah. is a huge issue um, within the Congo. There is uh, French is a predominant language as well as Swahili, and then dialects within that language. So, um, as you suggest, Jamestown does have a Spanish speaking community. Nine percent of the population speaks Spanish. Um, that's not the case with um, Swahili, and so a lot of Translation tools don't always provide that as an alternative, so you're using Google Translation, and that that can be um, uh, funny sometimes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> takes a little bit longer just to get through the process. But it is um, it is an additional challenge within the community. Yeah, and and I'll say it, it's not I think as difficult with the Spanish speaking families, but it is still a challenge. And what I'm learning, you know, I'm brushing up on my Spanish from high school, is that even within Latin America there are variations in dialect. So even though they speak Spanish, some Spanish speakers here in our city still struggle with translating some of the words and phrases that they share because there there's just differences, you know. Even like we have in, in the United States, you know, we have phrases or jokes or sayings that are culturally relevant to where we, we live. And so that's been, as Marion said, it can be quite fun. Uh, and the families that we've been working with, their children are enrolled in school, and so they're learning English very quickly. And um, that's been really fun as well to share with each other. You know, how do you say this in English? Well, how do you say that in Spanish? And and learning different things. Um, so we learned, uh, I shared a photo of our, one of our cats who is quite large um, and learned that the word for fat is gordo, which I think is very appropriate. So we're, we're, all, we're calling her gordo now, a little gordita. Um, you know, so we're learning with each other. Um, and uh, they very much want to learn English, but they also want others to respect their native language as well. And it's interesting when we use the translation apps, the amount of colloquialisms that we speak with. And uh, the translation apps, of course, can't properly translate that. And so as you do this, you actually learn how to speak a clear version of English as well Mm -hmm. that is understandable to all people. So the learnings go so far. I mean, you learn about their culture and you learn about your own way of speaking that might Mm be um, more effective as well. So it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I'll give an example really quick. So I often will message the family and say, like, let me know when you're free. Like, let me know when you're available. But I don't say available. I say free because that's just what I say to, to my friends and family here. And they're always like, what do you mean? Of course I'm free. Like, I can go wherever I want, you know? Like, But it's like, okay, now I have to use the word available. Let me know when you are available to go. Um, so like Luke said, just kind of learning that. And it's been very interesting in, in uh, uh, process. And we've learned also different differences in cuisines as well. Um, so with our, our Congolese friends, we've learned kind of how they're, what the kind of food they like to eat is and how difficult that is to find in Jamestown. Um, and same thing's true for our Colombian friends as well. But we've been able to, um, through a partnership uh, at St. Luke's, we've been able to really taste their food on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. I'll let Linnea say more about that perhaps. 
Yeah, so to Luke's earlier point about the difference with working specifically, so asylum seekers are here in this country legally. They go through the process to declare asylum. However, currently under the federal government, they are not allowed to have their work permits for at least a year, if not more, and Marion can speak to that um, a little deeper on the legal end. So they are not uh, permitted to work legally in the country. And so um, a lot of the families that we're working with are looking for alternative ways to support themselves. And they are very, very gracious to the community who has donated some either resources or or support or monetarily um, through a fund that we're managing at St. Luke's. But they have also begun offering food uh, at St. Luke's every Sunday from 11 to 1 p.m., with the exception of Easter Um, But then they also hope to open a stand at the farmer's market where they will be offering empanadas and arepas and all of their delicious salsas. And so for a donation of a minimum of $10, but whatever you can offer, um, you then get a delicious meal. And that fund, um, that money goes through the fund at St. Luke's that we then utilize to purchase things that the family needs, such as food, such as rent um, and school supplies, medical needs. Um, that sort of thing. So they're definitely hard workers. They want to work, um, and their food is delicious. And so, you know, we we say to each other that God truly brought us together because we needed someone to cook delicious food at the farmer's market. And as they have told me, well, obviously we do that. We cook delicious food. So it was a partnership uh, truly made, I think, by the universe. So um, yeah, anyone's welcome to visit St. Luke's on Sundays from 11 to 1 to try their food and hope that they can visit them at market in the summer as well. Mm-hmm. And Linnea mentioned, Marion, that you had more you could expand on. So yeah, it sounds like this is uh, one of those loopholes that where a, a family or people who have come in, they can contribute to you know their their being here even though they can't legally work so um when it when it comes to asylum versus refugees so you said the refugees from congolese that they're they're able to find employment as long as you know they can you know they can get around the language issues and everything like that uh when it comes to asylum so are that they're working with the u.s government and in terms of hearings and how how is everything going with there that kind of was born out of a, a volunteer effort because we were concerned that they were here and wanting to do everything by the book. And when you come through the Department of Homeland Security, legally you receive what's called a notice to appear. And most of them have those notices to appear, which means they have to appear before the immigration court to go through what we would consider an arraignment, which is are you guilty of what's charged in this notice to appear or or not? And if you would like to move forward, then you're put on a master calendar hearing. That's important because that allows that person to then apply for a work permit. And that just starts the clock. It doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but at least it starts the clock. Um, so those hearings are important. Um, The Jamestown Bar reached out to a number of people, but we found the Volunteer uh, Volunteer Lawyers Project in Erie County. And um, they have given us CLE, Continuing Legal Education, credits to do this work. 
and um, you also have to be certified with the Executive Office of Immigration Review. Um, two of us have gone through that training already, and now, um, as of yesterday, we got a call um, basically to ask which cases we want to take on. They have to assign the cases to us, but they are the cases within our community. So without having an attorney, you are not entitled to an attorney, but under the law, it's only in criminal cases in the United States. But we feel that their opportunity for success is severely diminished if they don't have representation. So. Um, we're encouraging more lawyers to do that. Our Jamestown Bar um, has a call to action, so we're we're hoping more more attorneys can do this work. Mm -hmm. And is uh, when they go through all these hearings, do they go to Buffalo for this? Yes. So yeah, that, that's I can imagine that's an, uh, can be a challenge for transportation. So and it kind of is making me think is is because of the um, the collaboration with Journeys and is that how the families from Columbia ended up in Jamestown? Was it were they, or did they just ended up here? Yeah, they just ended up here, mm -hmm. um, and we we have not pried into their story. Is that's theirs to tell. But as far as we can determine, um, they wanted to find a community that was welcoming and that they could be successful in. And so I have reached out to several other kind of migrant support groups across the country. I've spoke to women in Texas, a wonderful uh, group in Washington, D.C., who are assisting other migrants, because um, there has been quite a large influx um, across the border and more continue to come. When you look at the state of their countries back uh, home in Latin America, um, the economic issues, but also the severe um, threats to people's lives, um, you know, a lot of uh, concerns that are causing families to flee and seek a uh, better life in the United States. And so um, what I've kind of learned is, you know, these individuals find different communities that they feel will be welcoming and accepting to them, um, and again, where they can be successful and thrive. And so we're not quite sure exactly how they ended up here, but we're happy they are here, um, and they are happy they're here. They have uh, felt very welcome in Jamestown, um, and uh, we're so excited that they chose Jamestown to be their home. We all know Jamestown's a great place to be. I mean, mm -hmm. we're all here, mm -hmm. and uh, some of us have traveled to be here, some of us were born here. Um, I'm one who found it and discovered it. And I, I'm always amazed the amount of people I meet in the community who have discovered the community online because it's got a great cost of living, there's great amenities, and there's just great people. So it's wonderful when we can welcome new people who want to contribute to building an even greater Jamestown. And I'll say, you know, when I first you know, was getting to learn and meet the family, they asked me, you know, where's the Colombian restaurant? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, we don't have one. You'll have to start it. You know, so they're they're definitely contributing to the community mm -hmm. and want to be a part of this beautiful fabric that is Jamestown. Um, and we're lucky, lucky to have them here. Mm -hmm. With uh, Marion said that putting out the call to the Jamestown Bar makes me think of that. There's probably a lot of need to help these families that they've come in still. Well, you know, you had a lot of things that you were helping establish in the last year in Jamestown. What are the sort of things that you're looking at from a need prospect right now? I'd say that there's, um, so the, the process with refugee resettlement is really governed by the federal government, and there are clear protocol on how that works. Uh, and so that process is very, 
um, very clear cut in a way. And we were learning that how that works. So uh, Beth Litton is the Journey's End um, staff person that's working in Jamestown. Um, and she, she's from the community, and so she's not traveling. They've, they've opened that office, so she's here. Uh, and so she oversees kind of the particulars of the case management and how we walk through that process and follow through the what is a very rigorous um, process with, with home inspections and then certain requirements that each family needs to have. Um, there needs to be a table and table setting for each person that, that comes to that house whether or not they use tables or not in their home country, you know? So there's all of that that's required based upon the federal government. So that process is is clear. Um, and so we need all those things, material household items donated. Uh, and there's a whole list of that. And you can see, if you go to Journey's End, um, I think it's jurorsbuffalo.org. Uh, there's a list of the kind of household items that are needed. Or you can call um, St. Luke's and we can ha- happily kind of talk people through the items we're looking for. Um, and the idea is that these aren't just things you're looking to get rid of, but are quality items that perhaps you'd want to give as a gift, not as just um, like, this is junk I don't want in my house anymore. It'd be something that you would perhaps give to a, a grandchild when they're setting up their first apartment or your own child. So it's that kind of level of quality we're looking for. So we need um, couches and um, tables and, and all that kind of stuff. We also need um, donations of, of laundry detergent, um, rolls of quarters or always very helpful mm-hmm. as well um, so those kind of cash donations are helpful um, so cat and cash is always helpful um, and so that process is very clear with the refugees with, with the asylum seekers there's no protocol there's no overarching um, mandate of anyone that's that's involved with it which of course is precisely the problem uh, and even Linnea and St. Luke's isn't really prepared to deal with all of it there's no one who's handling the case management so we're just kind of as out of the goodness of our heart helping those we can find and so we have a little more creativity with with that process we still they had the same needs um, so we need people to be there to provide material support uh, whether that's actual household items or cash um, but also they really really need is kind of an invitation to be part of our community um, so friendship, partnership, this sense of we're curious about you. Uh, that's really important as well. And so there's volunteers that are required and needed. Um, so, you know, we're also looking for on the refugee end, you know, employers who are looking to, to hire new people. Um, we're looking for landlords that want to work with us um, and realizing that we have a, a whole group of community support that means that they aren't exposed um, in, in opening up their properties to new new clients. Um, but of course, these folks aren't going to be able to be background checked because they've come from international context. So we're serving as their background check in a way. And so we're looking for landlords that can assist with that. Could I, could I interject mm-hmm. one thing there? Um, with regard to background checks, these folks have been vetted mm-hmm. at the um, highest level. So they are coming here, the refugees are coming here from uh, refugee camps and the average stay is 17 years in a camp so during that process you are vetted each person who comes here is vetted before they can enter the united states so that's another reason that separates their legal status Mm -hmm. so while lucas makes a good point that we will vouch for them they have already been vetted to the nth degree and have social security numbers. So these are not folks that we have to question whether or not they have a criminal background or not. So, mm-hmm. And I'll jump in too and just say that the community has been so responsive to you know, building, building friendship with these families. So for example, 
Sam at Fringe Hair um, has offered free uh, no-cost haircuts for our asylum-seeking families. Um, you know, we celebrated a quinceanera for one of the family members' daughters because it's very culturally important. At the Art of Flavors restaurant, they were extremely accommodating. So the way we look at it is, you know, everybody has a skill set and something they can offer. So don't be afraid to reach out to us if you think that there's something you could help with. Um, but the other big need, as Luke said, is is monetary. Um, because the asylum-seeking families are not able to legally work, um, they, they are so gracious to receive the generosity of others who might have something that they can contribute financially. So we do have two separate funds, um, one for the New Neighbors Refugee Group and one for the Migrant Support Group. And as we learn of more families, we just met two more um, migrant families earlier last week who just arrived here. As more families um, find Jamestown home, um, there will be increased needs. Um, and, you know, your funding is, is uh, going to a good cause and overseen by St. Luke's. Uh, so some examples of that, you know, money is used again for food, for rent. Um, some of our asylum-seeking individuals were able to get their driver's license because that is legal in New York State. So the money helped pay for those fees. So you really are contributing to helping a family um, establish themselves here. And, and they do not look at it as dependents. Mm -hmm. They very much are incredibly, incredibly grateful for the hand up. Um, and they are contributing in every way that they can. Yeah, and on a formal basis, uh, the New Neighbors Coalition has established a fund under the New Neighbors Coalition at Chautauqua Region Community Foundation. So if anyone wants to make a donation online, just look for the New Neighbors Coalition Fund. So we'd appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Is there an information on either the St. Luke's website or someplace where people are interested in maybe getting involved with the New Neighbors Coalition in some way but aren't sure which area they fit in? Uh, is there, where can they look for information? Yeah, Facebook's the best place to look. We have there's a New Neighbors Coalition Facebook page. Um, we're looking for, for tutors and ESL support as well. We've got a partnership with the Chautauqua Literacy Volunteers Volunteers of Chautauqua County. I can get the name confused, but it's at the need the library, and there's a link on our website on the Facebook webpage, New Neighbors Coalition, as well. That's there, um, and there's information on both that are kind of there. If you message that page too, um, folks will be able to to respond to you. You can always call the church office. It may take a little while to get back. I, I would say the the main important thing is that. We love Jamestown because it's a, such a tight-knit, wonderful town where people know each other. Um, and we know that's wonderful. And also it can be a, a challenge sometimes when we know if something happens in our lives and other people know about it before we've told them. That can be difficult and frustrating. I would really ask that, uh, that our whole community give the most dignity they can to to these individuals. They are individuals. They have agency, as, as all humans do, and we should treat them with dignity and respect and not talk about them as if they were objects, but really and only share information that the individual gave to us. Because again, we want to be welcoming. The same thing, we don't want our business shared. They don't want their business shared either. Um, but it's okay to talk to them. It's okay to get the information. Just don't pass it on like I heard, I heard, because that's not always helpful for uh, creating a safe community.
Mm-hmm. And uh, understand, as someone who works in the news, obviously, I, I can understand how the grapevine does work in extraordinary ways and not always good ones in our, and not just in Jamestown, but elsewhere. So that, yeah, that's a very good point to put out there for folks here. So is there anything else that any of you would like to add about, uh, you know, about the families or your efforts around uh, refugees and migrants uh, here in the city? Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, I've been a social worker for 12 years now with my, my LMSW, and I've worked with many, many different groups of people. And I truly feel this experience that, that I've I've had with these families is, is very um, uh, complicated, but also one that requires uh, advocacy. And we have power as not only a community, but a, a country. And we really need to begin to have these conversations to encourage our federal government to change mm-hmm. our immigration policies. Um, we do not have a, a really uh, efficient um, immigration process, especially for asylum seekers. And so um, I encourage people to do more research, um, you know, write a letter to their representatives, um, you know, if you see petitions or ways for you to get involved, either at the local or the, the federal level, you know, please do what you can um, to to let our representatives know that we need change. Um, there are people in other countries that have lives that we could never imagine and have gone through things that we hopefully never will have to. Um, but we need to be empathetic to that. Um, and again, realize that we, the people, have the power. Um, so I, I just encourage people to be mindful of, of that and to be curious, as Luke says, you know, it's, it's true. Um, you know, learn more about how these processes work and the difference between asylum seekers and refugees and, and even how we treat people from other countries as different from, you know, other countries, you know, how we treat Ukrainian refugees versus, you know, people from Latin America. It, the process is so different at the federal level. So um, how can we, we have that dignity to speak up for those who, who maybe cannot use their own voice? Yeah. And I would tag on just quickly to what Linnea said, that we're getting the best of in terms of will in these people. Um, They've come through extraordinary circumstances, so they have a will that will drive them to contribute to the community. They want to work, they want to be a part of this community's growth. So um, we're fortunate in that they've brought those skill sets to this community to say, what can we do to help? And so as much as we support them, they want to support the community. It's true. I was thinking, this metaphor popped into my head. I was at Hollyloft picking up a number of of things they were donating as they were selling the building, finally, uh, and uh, tables and such. And and, um, Siri gave me a bunch of baskets. And I was carrying these baskets to the mobile market truck. And I started thinking about the way in which I, I visualized Jamestown as a basket. Um, and the way that it's been built is kind of with waves of immigration, right? Going back to its earliest times. And we've had mostly mono waves um, of immigration, you know, large groups of people from um, Sweden, for instance, and then maybe Italy for another instance. And they've kind of come in mono waves, and it were. And so, and I started looking at these different kinds of baskets that I picked up, and one had very loose kind of. Um, uh, f- fabric of kind of holding itself together, uh, and and it was kind of a, a loose weave because they were kind of big big brands. And I thought that's kind of how we have been historically, very 
gappy sometimes and we know that some some parts of our community uh, fall out because they're not part of the one of those bigger bands but then i saw another basket that had a very much of a tighter weave and i thought this is kind of the new jamestown we're building with kind of these little microwaves of immigrants that are here not as some um, monolithic uh, cultural expression but from a diverse point of backgrounds and as we bring together that tighter weave i think we're creating a stronger community that can create a basket where people don't fall out but that we have this sense of, of integrity and hold, holding together in a new sort of way. So I think Marion's point about the resiliency of, of the folks we're bringing in is, is spot on because these are the people that are helping us build the future of Jamestown. Our populace is decreasing, we know that. Uh, and so how do we um, in, stave that and then also then kind of rebuild in a way? And I think these are the mm -hmm. folks that are gonna help us rebuild. And we can help them by playing a role in just encouraging them and being there to support them along the way. So I'm so grateful for our community. Yeah, and I, I'll just throw in, like, as Luke said, you know, my grandfather came here from Sweden on a boat by himself. My other grandparents came here from Italy because they wanted to build a better life but also contribute to the community. And I know so many people who are listening and so many people who have grown up in Jamestown and live here have that same story. And so I encourage you to to think of that when you meet these families is that, you know, we wouldn't be here without the courage of our ancestors to move to a new country and so to give these new families the welcome that they deserve. Right. Well, Mary Beckerink, Linnea Heskin, and Reverend Voter, thank you so much for being here to talk about this important issue with us. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us.